0: Welcome, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. Straight from New York, yo, yo, this handsome man. You yo, yo. Ah, now, now tuned here. in Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga knocked out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. With the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches, they find home on your mind about a double. This the weekly scraps, you don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead the dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planning, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 142 UFC Vegas 37. I believe that is. We had some crazy, crazy fights this past weekend, obviously. The boxing world is taking over once again with the celebrity death match fights. Yes, celebrity death match fights. That's exactly what's happening out there. It's real-life celebrity deathmatch. It's what we used to watch growing up as kids on TV. Except this is actually really happening. We are watching our heroes get killed for unnecessary reasons. I, I understand making money, making a dollar, providing for your family. But I think some of these guys... It, we're at a point where it's like, what's more important, your health, your brain intact, you know, you, or a couple of dollars, is that worth the trade-off unless you really, really feel like, hey man, I'm already done the damage and I'm I'm just trying to make what I can now because I'm already here and passes on to my kids. I guess I could understand that, but man, it is so tough to watch. Evander Holyfield taking on Vitor Belfort. Obviously a short notice fight. Vitor um, stepped in uh, actually, Evander stepped in to fight Vitor. I think it was supposed to be Oscar De La Hoya. Now, Evander is roughly 58 years old. He kind of looks like he has his shakes a little bit, which would be like, I guess, I guess I'm not a doctor, but maybe similar to like the Parkinson syndrome or something like that. But you start to see those type of signs and then you see a guy like that step into the octagon, well, the, the ring with the a beast of a man In TRT, Vitor Belfort. The guy is back once again, juiced to the gills. Um, How is that even sanctioned? How is that even allowed to happen? As a friend, a teammate, a coach, when you're watching the sparring sessions, our guy's not hitting this guy, Evander, in the head to see like his eyes are rolling back in the back of his head or he's not taking the shots as well and his legs are giving out. That's kind of a, a sign that the body is shutting down and is not there anymore for that type of lifestyle and that type of physical activity. It's tough to see. And I hope to God, I pray, I am never one of those guys who are in that position that need to fight for to make money like that at that age. Because it's just like your body's just not there to, to cooperate with you anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like... Why put yourself and your family through all that heartache? I, I don't know if the money makes them feel better. And again, Evander is world-time champion, legend, of course. But it's just like, damn, bro, I hate it. It had to be you. I did not want it to be you. And it sucks that you are the guy that's out there. Um, that became the next highlight. Obviously, it's a win for MMA, but is it really a win to see a legend like that go down, is it really a win? To get that style of a win. Um, and I know people are gonna be, like, oh, your win with Peter Young, is that really a win? I'm like, yeah, in terms of disqualification, I'm talking about like you hit a you're pretty much hitting an old man. What well, what does that really count for? You know, so I, I don't want to take nothing from Vitor. I hope he does get the big money fight with either Jake Paul or Oscar De La Hoya or whoever it is that he called out. I forget who else was the other guy, or Canelo, I think it was he said. But if he's going to do one of those fights, he's going to get drug tested. Um, I don't know if TRT is allowed in boxing because I think when you get to your certain age, the fact that your, your testosterone levels decline. I think that's a natural sign of um, life and it's natural. That's the state that you should have to fight in. You shouldn't be allowed to enhance yourself to that of a youth again so that you can compete with people who are younger because that's what they have on their side. So the fact that you have that on your side, again, it's kind of like you got the experience. Now you got the youth back on your side. That's kind of not fair. Oh, it's the uh, oven. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's it's wild to see, man. And then, of course, we had Anderson Silva taking on uh, Tito Ortiz. And you see young Joe Frazier in the Anderson Silva, bobbing and weaving, bobbing, bobbing, diddy box, shadow box, the shadow man, kind of like Yoel Romero said, the shadow man wing, you know, you have to believe. And then go, go. Same thing. He believes, he dipped, came back with a short hook, took him out. I'm texting one of the guys to turn this off. Um, Hey, can someone hit stop on the oven, please? But keep it on um, it's just crazy, man. So Anderson looked good. Tito Ortiz is another one. uh, I think that chin is gone. I don't think Anderson hit him all that hard, but obviously, it was a short check hook, nice and tight, quick um whipping of the of the wrists and the elbow, the shoulder, putting the body weight into it. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm just saying it, it it might not have been all that hard, at least from the way it looked, you know? So seeing that and seeing the way that he went down, obviously the ones you don't see hurt the most. I do think that's probably why Tito went down like that because he didn't see it, and maybe it was a short whipping motion, but it just didn't look like that hard of a punch for him to to kind of stagger like that where it's like damn that that looked bad and again i'm just saying like you you kind of know where you're at physically when you're in the gym training and you can kind of see how your body reacts to punishment so to speak you know so it's like it gives you a, a an idea of like okay if i am reacting this way with headgear on if maybe if you're wearing headgear or these type of rounds with these guys at this level What's going to happen when I get in there for the real fight? You know what I mean? So it's like we got to kind of pick and choose um, what we're willing to take as risk. And again, I understand fighters, they are fighters. It's what we want to do. And I just hope that, you know, I can, when I do have the time to walk away from the sport, then I can be at peace with it and not feel like I need that itch to get back out there. Maybe I could do jujitsu competitions or wrestling um, competitions or maybe even get better at golf. Something to... Curb my competitive itch so that I don't feel like I need to get in there and lace up the gloves again to to fight. When I'm done, I just want to be done. I want to be fat and happy, and hopefully not too fat. But I want to get bulky. I want to put on some muscle, lift a little bit, get stronger, put some weight on. Um, yeah, you know, enjoy life. Enjoy the fruits of my labor. I think that's what it's all about, man. You work hard for a reason so that when you're older, you get to cherish it and you get to reap the rewards of it. So you can sit down, kick your feet up on all the things that you were able to purchase through blood, sweat and tears. Literally, you know, so um, that's where I'm at. And I got three houses so far. I'm on my way setting up everything else. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get my finances in order. And hopefully, you know, after this fight, this would be a seven-figure year. Thank God. Um, never thought I'd ever see the day, at least when I first started. It just seemed like it was such a far ways away. And to actually be on the brink of making six figures, in seven figures in one year, it's actually... Um, it's inspiring for myself, and it keeps me motivated in that sense, and it just lets me know that like it was all worth it in the end, even though a million dollars is like, it doesn't it go so fast, and after taxes, you cut that million dollars, you're not going to take away 50%, you're not going to take away 40% because of the deductions, I got my S Corp, um, so even if you take away 30%, roughly, you know, because you're going to deduct what you spend, Um as expenses from your total gross and that's going to leave your net and then you pay taxes on the net so after my gross and then you have the net i'm gonna say i'm probably gonna walk away with like maybe hopefully i mean if you to make it easy if you just take away 30 percent right off the top Um, there's 700,000, and you obviously take away 40, that's 600,000. So, I'm thinking I'm gonna walk away with somewhere around uh 650 when it's all said and done before I'm doing expenses and all that stuff like expenses to get to the fight, paying out the coaches, paying out this, paying out that, paying out the houses, and all that stuff on depreciation. So, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that mileage for the cars. Uh, travel expenses, booking hotels, booking flights, all that stuff. That all gets added into the deductions for the expenses, you know. So I think when it's all said and done, what I would walk away from the year in terms of all before deductions would be roughly 650, you know. And I think that's a pretty good number um after taxes. Yeah, I hit the seven um seven-figure mark, but I'm only walking away with six fifty. And I just got to make sure I'm being smart with that money, plug it away, make the money, make, make money for me on a monthly and yearly return annually so that I can sit down and sit pretty and just kind of be able to hang out. And I could just enjoy doing other things that I love on the side. Obviously I don't have kids yet, so I know that's going to be a huge expense. So I'm got to make sure they're set up. There's just, it's just a lot, you know, so I, you know, I'm just really blessed and really fortunate to be in this situation. And, um. I definitely thank God every day, you know, so happy about that. And for you guys who don't believe in God, alhamdulillah. Um, Yeah, so, yeah. Let's talk about these fights. We got Anthony Smith taking on Ryan Span. Now, Ryan Spann was one of those guys I just wasn't too, like, sure about. 19 and 6, he's 6'5", 30 years old, with the reach of... It actually doesn't show his reach. Uh, And I'm going to... Dun, 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 dun. But his first main event, which is pretty dope. His last one, he beat Misha Surkinov, ground and pound, first round, beat, lost to Johnny Walker, um, round one. And before that, he beat Sam Alvey by split. And I think that's where I was kind of like not really sold on him because he won a lot of his other fights, contender series. He won against Luis Enrique. He beat Noguera. He beat Devin Clark. Um, couple good finishes, split decision with Sam Alvey. And I think that's where it was kind of a a weird positioning for him where I was like, well, maybe he's not going to do what I think he could do. But that's why we fight, man, because every fight's different. Sam Alvey's one of those guys who can make any type of fight look like that with anybody. He just has that style, that awkwardness. Um, Good guy. I, I, I think the last one, him beating Misha Serkinov, is a huge win for him, who I think Serkinov was ranked at the time. Uh, Anthony Smith, the Lionheart, 33 years old He's 6'4 with a 76 inch reach On a two fight, win streak Beating Jimmy Crute and beating Devin Clark He beat Jimmy Crew by that leg injury Where Jimmy Crute was on fire And looked like the next big thing And then kind of got his Everything slowed down a little bit for him with that one That last fight was In April of this year actually He's got another fight at the end of this year against Jamal Hill. But Jimmy Crew looked like a world beater. Ended up with that fight, coming up loss. Uh coming up lost. Coming up short, my bad. Um, to Anthony Smith, leg injury. I think he threw a leg kick or he had like that um drop, drop foot where it was just like just I don't know what this is, but it was like flailing all over the place. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, they had to stop the fight, and it's just unfortunate. But at the end of the round one, uh, but before that he beat Devin Clark triangle choke in round one Devin Clark looked really good in the beginning and then Anthony Smith came back like the Lionheart always does he always comes back in these fights and before that he lost to Rackage and he lost to Glover to Shara <clears throat> the Glover fight was actually a pretty bad one and before that he beat Gustafsson, Renekkah choke in round four, and before that he had a title fight that he came short in. That everyone still compares his his knee from John Jones to the knee that Jan gave me to the head. Very very different. Guys, it's not acting. If the guy is giving you time to recover, no matter how I roll around on the floor or how I decide to cope with that, you can say whatever you want. I didn't know the fight was going to be a, a win. I thought it was going to be a no contest at best. And I thought I wasn't going to get another title shot in a very, very long time. That's just the facts. So you just call it a lie or I set it up or I knew the whole time or I heard overheard the doctor, which is so stupid. Like the doctor goes over to the ref and they talk. I don't hear that. I'm, I just got my head black. I don't hear that. But whatever. Even Anthony Smith saying like he feels like that situation aged well for him now because... Because of that, I think it's the stupidest thing to say. Because it's like, dude, one, you weren't hurt like that. You can admit that. I think that's fair to say. And two, the other part about that was, even if you did decide to milk it, um, you would have had a rematch situation and you would have been guaranteed to at least make a really good payday off of a very controversial situation, whether you are proud of it or not. I mean... You deserve it to be in that situation, but obviously not getting eaten ahead illegally. And um, yeah, it is what it is. I'm glad he took the honorable way out, but again, it's a fist fight. Mistakes happen. John made a mistake. I think Jan's was a little bit more intentional where his coaches told him and he did what he was told to do. And he was told by the ref not to do it. So it's a little different of a situation in a sequence. So, you can't compare one to the other. And I think, uh, again, one was a lot more malicious than the other one. You know, so um, that's kind of the way I look at it. And kudos to him to feeling like that was the brave and honorable thing for him to do. But for me, I got blasted. If you asked me what, what I would have done, I would have taken my five minutes whichever however much longer i had which probably would have been like another two and a half minutes i think or two minutes one minute maybe i don't even know how much longer i had on the clock but i, I think i at least had two minutes maybe and then from there i'd have to make an educated decision it was like do i feel like that need took enough out of me where there's just no way i could come back and win the fight and i'm gonna probably say the answer is Yes, there's probably no way I'm going to come back and win the fight after that. Um, The best case scenario would have been if the ref said, we're going to take two points. Do you feel you could continue? And from there, I got to make a big boy decision and be like, yo, man, I'm either going to have to try to figure out this fifth round. And hopefully I caught a second win or something. But this is a tough situation to be in. I got hurt really bad. And now we both got a um, fresh breath of air. And we both got to figure out that last round, you know. So it is what it is. I do think Anthony Smith, you know, the type of fighter he is, he likes to come back and then win. I think this is going to be a tough one for him with Ryan Spann to try to do that in. Because <clears throat> Spann has been looking really good um, of late. He's looked a lot more calculated, a little bit more poised. I do like Smith, though, because, again, he, he just has that never-quit attitude. But the punishment that he took in the Glover to share fight, hoping that he could come back. I, I, I'm not saying he was hoping that he could come back. I was thinking he was going to come back. Because he was dominating in the beginning, seemed to to shoot his wad a little bit too early. Glover starts to come back, and I thought there was going to be an opening for Anthony Smith to come back again and uh, continue what he was doing in that first round and get the and get the finish in a fight like that where he normally does. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And um, yeah, so for this one, God, I I really don't know who I like in this. Man, Anthony's had so many fights. I do feel like Ryan Span is a new kid on the block. I mean, Smith took out Devin Clark, who I think is okay. He's not the greatest. I think the Jimmy Crew fight wasn't looking the greatest for him. I think Jimmy Crew is actually the real deal. I think he's just one of those situations where he was unlucky. And uh, I can't remember if Smith checked it, but the drop foot is one of those things that's just been happening more and more often. I'm not sure if it's because of people checking the kick or it's just. A, a, Rare situation where you just got hit on the right spot and it just happens, you know. Um, but Spawn, Misha Serkinov, Sam Alvey, Devin Clark—he beat Devin Clark as well. Nogueira, I'm liking this. I feel like it's a very close fight. I'm gonna lean towards Spawn to get the dub. And I've hung out with Anthony Smith. I really do like him. I do think he's a tough guy to count out. I just think Spawn being younger, being a little bit taller. And I think he's actually a true 205-er where Anthony Smith is coming up from 85, even though he has been looking really good at this weight. I just think that the, the two competitions that he faced and won, I mean, you got the controversy with Jimmy Cruz. Okay. How good was he looking before that? Um, then you have the Devin Clark. How good was he looking before that? The submission. He's dangerous. He's game. I just wonder if Spawn can stay out of the, the tricks of um, Anthony Smith and keep it where he wants it to be, which is probably standing. And I think he should have some success. Uh, so I'm leaning towards Spawn, but I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Smith um, was to turn back another prospect. I wouldn't be surprised. Now the next one we have Ewan Kutalaba taking on Devin Clark. Devin Clark, obviously, with the guy we were just talking about, hasn't fought in a while. Last win, last win was Alonzo Manfield. He lost to Anthony Smith before that. Well, after that. So he won, and then he lost. So he lost to Smith, beat Manifield, beat um, Townsend, and before that, he lost to Ryan Spahn. So he fought both guys in the main event. He's 31 years old, 75-inch reach, and he's 6 feet tall. Kutalaba seen him down in Vegas. He's training down there, 27, 6'1", 75-inch reach. Um, His last fight was a split draw to Dustin Jacoby in May 1st. May 1st? Oh, wow. And his last one before that was to Magomed Ankalaev. He lost. That was the rematch that was supposed to happen so many times. And uh, he lost both ones. The first one, obviously, he pretended pop, um, play possum, lost that one, came back, booked it, got canceled a couple of times. And then he had the finally got the rematch. <clears throat> And um he lost it in the first round as well for that one. So and he also beat Khalil Roundtree, um elbows from mount. He lost the glove to Tashera. So he's a fun, excited fighter. He's intense, gets in your face, yells, goes gorilla hulk. Um, tough one for me. I think Devin Clark can grind him out with the wrestling, kind of like Toshera did, but I think on the feet. Um, Kutalaba should win it very, very easily, but that's the thing. How long can he keep it standing and can he keep Devin Clark off of his legs? I usually lean towards the size of the side of the wrestler, but I feel like Kutalaba is going to get the job. I just feel like, hmm, I don't know. From Moldova, this is a tough one, man. It's It's really a tough one for me to pick. Uh... I feel like Clark should win. But I wouldn't be surprised if he got caught on the feet from Kutalaba because he got tired. And that's that's the only that's the main difference for me. On this next one, Nicholas Mota taking on Van Camp. Van Camp, tough dude, but Nicholas Mota four for Cage Fury. Tough, tough guy. Uh, Van Camp is from Lebanon, India. Indiana. India. Wow. I'm so bad. Indiana. (laughs) He's 28 years old. I believe this is his UFC debut. Yes. He won his last three fights by finish. stroke submission, armbar, and the one before that was a decision. And now taking on Nicholas Mota, who was on, I believe, Dana White Contenders. Yes. And he won. Decision, decision. And finishing round one. Before that, losing in round one to a guy named Robert Hale. What happened to Robert Hale? Where's he at? Um, Didn't do so good after that. He won, lost, won, won, lost, won. Okay. So maybe we'll see Robert Hale in the the future. But as of right now, we have... uh, This guy, Nicholas Mota, I think he's one of those guys. He's a fun fighter to watch. Solid BJJ. Brazilian guy. Fights a furious pace. And I think that's what's going to make this one interesting and exciting to watch. I think this is definitely a fight people don't want to miss. I think it's going to be a fun fight at um, 55. And I think the fans are going to be in for a treat for this one. Uh, Nicholas Mota, also the former Cage Fury champion. CFFC. Now, we got some other good fights on here. There's a couple that I want to talk about. Ariane Arian Lipsky. I think she's the, the elbow queen. Queen of violence. <laughs> I was close. She's on two fights, kid. Taking on Mandy Baum, who is making her UFC debut. Coming from Bellator. That's how they say it over there. The announcer. Uh, I don't know how that fight's going to go. i never actually seen that Mandy girl fight. And then we have Chris Christos Diagos taking on Armand Sharyuken. This should be a fun fight. Sharyuken is a fun guy to watch. Um, one of the guys I think is a very tough prospect at the 55-pound division. Looked very good in his fight against our guy, Favola. Um, Favola gave him everything that he could. Taking it on short notice with his guy, uh, Omar, one of the twins, um, falling off the card. And one of uh, Shayukin's fights falling off the card as well. So they matched them up. And then you have him beating Davi Ramos. Looked great with his footwork. Took his time. Didn't play the jiu-jitsu game. Struck. Got on his bike. Struck. Got on his bike. Just in and out, in and out. Did what he had to do to win. Davi Ramos couldn't keep up the pace and uh, just seemed a little bit too slow for a guy like um, Shawyuken. And before that, he beat uh, OAM Olivier Aubin Mercier, and he made his debut against Isla Makachev and had a really close fight. That was a fun one to watch. Uh, Joaquin Buckley and and Christian Diagos, he was kind of like one of those guys who was kind of like up and down. He's on a two fight win streak right now. And before that, losing to the Jakar Close, and before that, winning two fights, and before that, losing to Oliveira, and before that, beating a guy named Batista at ACB. So his debut, he fought Oliveira one, two in a row, lost to Klaus. Oh, so it's not that bad, actually. This is actually really good. I thought he was alternating win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, but no, he actually won, loss, one, two, loss, one, two. Tough guys, it's very, very deep um, division at the one hundred and fifty five pound weight class, and he's got another tough prospect in his hands. And uh, Sharyukan, I think he's got some really good jujitsu though. So I think. He has to be careful with that. He submitted Sean Sariano with a dart stroke, which is a very difficult choke to get out of. I don't know what the game plan for Shariuki is going to be. Is he going to look to take the fight down to the ground like he normally does? Or is he going to look to use his footwork and keep it standing and strike and don't get hit? Kind of the same way he did against Davi Ramos. I don't know. Um, Joaquin Buckley is back, taking on Arroyo after a loss to DiCherico. Man, this middleweight division is getting so fun. So you got Buckley who loses to Holland. Buckley, who then beats Impa with the highlight reel KO, then loses to DiCerico. De Decherico gets absolutely flatlined by Alasan, like two weeks ago. Uh, it's just crazy. That's a crazy-ass division, man, when you think about it in that sense. And he also beat um, White. So that's a fun one. Um, Raquel Pennington's back. She's taking on or Kiz- something like that. And I can't, remember. I can't remember Penny. I just called Penny, who's on a oh wow, she's on a five four fight UFC win streak in this weight class. Wow, taking on Raquel Pennington. So this is a big breakout fight for her. She beats the former title challenger. She could be looking knocking on the door at a title shot herself. Um, to be next up. Uh, at Bannerweight against uh, Amanda Nunes. The Lioness. That's a tough one. Raquel Pennington. She hasn't fought in a while, I don't think. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. She be Marion Renault in 2020 and hasn't fought since June of 2020. So a long, long layoff. A uh, couple other notable fights. We got Tony Gravely taking on. Nate uh, Maness, that should be a fun fight. Maness is a tough dude, 13-1. and one. Tony Gravely, obviously a tough guy himself. Um, Maness is 30 years old, 72-inch reach. He's 5'10". He choked out Luke Sanders in his debut. He beat Johnny Munoz Jr. by decision. Um, and then you got Gravely. Anthony Burchak, he knocked him out. Um, he beat Geraldo de Fritas. He lost to Brett Johns by Ray choke in the third round. And before that, he beat Ray Rodriguez and Darren Mima at CES. He also beat Chris Montinho at CES as well. Uh, next, we have Montel Jackson taking on J.P. Bays coming up to the band and weight division. I don't know if this is going to be a main home for J.P. Bays. It was interesting because when I saw Bays at Extreme Couture, I was looking at his frame and I drilled with him and I was like, this guy's got a big body to be going all the way down to 130, 125. Um, got a little bit more fat than I do, but still put together pretty solid. I think he's about 5'5". Five, five, yeah, 5'5", five, five it says. 67-inch Six, reach. This last one, he lost to Bruno Silva. Got caught with a counter right hook and knocked out. Um, one of the contender series with a choke. Him and his wife are both in the UFC. I think they both were on the same card for that contender series. And they both got signed. Which was pretty cool. But I just felt like he had a really good f- frame. And to be going down to 125 might be the returns. Sorry. But now you got him at 135 taking on a guy who's super tall in Montel Jackson. Which is Crazy. Montel Jackson is 5'10", with a 75 and a half inch reach. That's crazy. And J.P. Bay's 67 inch reach, so he's got some work to do to cover some ground, get the fight down to the ground, where's his strong point, where we talked a little bit, and we talked about getting away from our strengths, which is our grappling. And, um, you know, he was saying that before, he felt like people were trying to make him into a striker and kind of getting away from what he was good at, which is his grappling. And I thought his grappling was high level, and I told him, I was like, yeah, dude, you should be, you should be grappling. This is what you're good at, and this is your bread and butter. Be competent on the feet, but know what you need to do. You want to get the fight to the ground because that's where you're most comfortable, and that's where you're going to have more success of winning the fight instead of getting to exchanges where last one he loses to a guy like Bruno Silva. Now saying Silva hasn't gotten better, but that's a guy you would think that he should have been able to beat kind of thing, you know? Um... Yeah, Montel Jackson's fought so many guys now. He lost to Ricky Simone in his debut, beat Kelleher, Doris in round one, um, lost, beat Sukumtot, beat Philip Colares, lost to Brett Johns, and then beat Jesse Strader in round one. So some good matchups, some good fights for him. This is a tough one. Uh, I don't know which side to lean on, but I feel like Jackson with his size is going to make things very, very difficult for a guy coming up from plyweight who is going to be five inches shorter and then the reach advantage is almost it's almost ten inches of a difference. You know that's a, that's a big gap. Um, he's gonna have to get inside. He's gonna have to watch out for knees coming up the middle. He's going to have to be very cognizant using his feints. This is for JB Buys to to level change, get Montel to bite, open him up, press him against the cage, and hopefully he could chop down the legs with some kicks. But just got to make sure he's very, very careful not to get kicked in the face from any front kicks or get knee to the head by trying to level change and go for a takedown. So it's going to be a very, very strategical matchup, and I think it's going to be a game of inches where one wrong move, and that could be the fight. We got Impa Kasanganai coming back, facing Carlson Harris, who is from Guyana, right? Guyanese, Guyana, yeah. And we have Gustavo Lopez taking on Haley Alatang, and we have Emily Whitmire taking on Hannah Goldie for the fight card opener. So this is this is good, man. It's gonna be a fun card. It's 15 fights as of right now. Um, Whitmire, I haven't seen her fight in a while. She's 4-4, and trains at Syndicate MMA. She lost the last two. um, Before that, winning two and coming off the Ultimate Fighter. So this is a big fight for her. She needs to get this job done. Um, She's taking on a brick powerhouse. And Hannah Goldie, who's very, very strong, who's also on a two-fight, losing skid right now. Uh, I think Hannah's a little green. I think Emily's a little green as well um, from their fights. Now, from the training, from the fights. Um, I haven't really watched Emily in training When whenever I've trained with her to see like how good she is technically. But I just think from the fights, i definitely seen more of Hannah. I think she's a little bit more green, um, especially when it comes to striking. When she gets the fight to the ground, she is vicious. So Whitmire's going to need to make sure she keeps the fight standing, use her footwork. And I think um, if she can keep it there, I think she should win. But... Got to be careful getting the fight to the ground because Hannah Goldie is very strong. And she gets those clinch, gets her hands around her or her legs, could take her down, drag her down, um, underhooks. It could be a bad night for Emily. So hopefully Emily could keep the game strong, keep the game to where she wants it to be. And I think that's going to be with the striking. I don't remember how good her grappling is. Let me take a look to see how many finishes she actually has as a grappler. Uh, amateur Armbar um, loss KO win uh, Guillotine loss Armbar um, win in a grappling match Roxanne Matafari In an exhibition on the Ultimate Fighter Lost from elbows I guess that's grappling Jillian Robinson lost from grappling um, She beat Albu um, Round 1 Rene choke. Lost to Amanda By Rene choke in the second round Lost to Polly Vienna by armbar round one. So I guess the secret's out. She struggles with the grappling, and I think she's going to have to keep this fight standing unless she's done some really good work to make up for where she was back in 2020 in August when she last fought Vienna. Um, Gustavo Lopez, what was going to say about him? He is 32, 5'5", five, five, 67 inch reach. Um, lost to Giannis, beat Anthony Burchak, lost to Marab in his debut. Has a couple ground and pound finishes, submission chokes. Tough guy when it comes to grappling. Halatang, I think the path of the least resistance for uh, Lopez is going to be to take Halatang down and from there get the finish. The Mongolian Knight, tough dude, lost to Casey Kenny. This is when the, the fight with Casey Kenny just spammed body kicks from that southpaw position and just teed him up. But Halatang, you know, he's so tough, took a took a beating so we know he's got a chin we know his body and his core is tough um i i don't know where he's strongest at is it the grappling i can't really tell he's got a rear naked choke finish um punches tko loss armbar finish loss uh soccer kick oh and one mc oh that's dangerous standing guillotine round two for him he's got a win by k tko punches got lost by a knee so this is a tough man this is a tough one um i think this is grappler versus striker so this is gonna be an exciting band weight fight as well so other than that i got one workout in this morning i gotta get another one done in a little bit not a little bit in a couple hours so i'm probably gonna relax try to get this podcast up a little earlier for you guys today um just hanging chilling out um the body's coming back i was just talking about this today with one of my roommates. Just like that, the video's gone. So we're gonna wrap this up. Thank you guys. See you later. Peace. That's the show. You ain't gotta go home, but you gotta get to steppin'. And remember, we bring the noise because the people want the funk. Until next time, this is the Weekly Scraps. Bye bye.